Today's episode is sponsored by none other than Study Notes ABA. And by sponsored, I mean we put it here because we want to put it here because that's what we do. <laughs> um, so to Study Notes ABA, what is it? Mm, only the best study method ever to study for the BCBA exam. BCABA exam. We break that shit down for you in a real raw and relatable way that you will definitely never forget. If you like behavior bitches, you probably will love study notes ABA because we're even more inappropriate. So it actually starts tonight, June 1st. So if you are a last minute kind of person and thinking, what am I going to do to study for this big test? I'm freaking the F out or I'm signed up. Where the hell do I start? Oh my gosh, that's the title of our first class. I've signed up for the test. Now, where the hell do I start? So go to studynotesaba.com to sign up. We have lots of different options, payment plans live, video recordings, amazing packets, all the things that you could ever want. So go check us out. Find us on Facebook or Instagram, Study Notes ABA. Study Notes ABA. ABA and a little X-ray. Behavior bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and it is episode 52. I have the rhyme today. 5 2. Cow says, Moo. Moo. Great. That's an introverbal. Amazing, guys. I love that you had that lack of point to point correspondence, but it did have formal similarity. Okay, too deep. Anyways. Today, we are so excited, but before we get started, we like to pair ourselves with some reinforcement for our own sake to keep us doing this and get us excited for the episode, even though we're already excited. So Casey, what is the review of the day? Well, girl, this one's coming in short and sweet from Melissa C0924, titled Good AF. I'm glad that you're using the terminology correctly. Amazing. Five stars. These girls put so much work and time into everything they have put together. The passion for teaching is incredible. I highly recommend to study with them. Woo! Thanks, girl. That means a shit ton to us because you're damn right. We put in all of our blood, sweat, tears, you can imagine, into our passion project. So absolutely. Thank you. So today, guys, is... Really exciting because, first of all, we've had this person come on before, kind of, for a very short time. I mean, they definitely did come on, so they were here, not kind of. But the only problem is I wasn't here. Um, And we know we only get the best side of the guest when I'm here. So today we have someone super special who wrote a book, which I have not got my hands on yet, but that's okay because we have Casey who does all of our back research and she said that I have to get my hands on it. So I have ordered my Amazon copy. And our guest today is Dr. Shane Spiker. Casey, tell us about him. Let's okay, go. So first of all, it's not on Amazon. I don't think it's on Lulu. That, that's correct. Well, it's on Amazon too, I think. It's kind of okay. everywhere now. Awesome. I love that. Sorry, Shane. Um, no, you're good. It's just so great. <laughs> Share the link in the show notes. You guys will love it. So I want to start off by, you know, I was going to read this long bio about Shane. Like he's a board certified behavior analyst. He has his PhD. He is a badass. He's Dr. Shane Spiker. Um, but like one of the, so I have this bio here in my outline that I took from the interwebs, right. Of Shane Spiker. Um, and, uh, I, I just didn't want to read that. I wanted to read the things he's accomplished, which I found in his book. And it was not a, a brag. It was to be like, holy shit, I did this. And 
you're what? I mean, you're my age. You're 30. I'm 34. Okay. Yep, so 34. I'm going to be 33 and I'm like, I'm a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, okay. BC and I, this is probably totally underestimating BCBA PhD, um, SME for the BACB, which I don't even know what that means, but I'm sure he'll tell us later. Director of training. He's presented at multiple conferences, ABAI, FABA, um, honor societies. He runs podcast. Um, he's part of the podcast, Why We Do What We Do, um, which I have so many questions for about too. He's been a podcast guest, I'm sure multiple places, but here twice on Behavior Bitches, which is awesome. Um, he was elected sex behavior SIG secretary. Again, he'll just explain that. ACE coordinator, which means CEUs, bitches. Also business owner, graduate instructor at like FIT and other places, which is one of my dreams too, which means I need to get a PhD. I don't know how that's going to happen. Father, husband, and freaking author. This book that he wrote, Anxiety Report, I want to read just the back of the book for you guys for a second, and then we'll let Shane just come on and rip it up. All right. So Anxiety Report chronicles a year in the life of Shane T. Spiker. A husband, dad, behavior analyst, student, instructor, and any number of hats you can name. He spends a year recording his adventures and thoughts through a behavioral lens. And let me tell you guys, it is freaking awesome and behavioral and there's asterisks and there's a glossary, but it's real raw and relatable, just like us. Unedited, unapologetic, sometimes uninspired, but also honest, emotional, and sometimes funny. Lots of times. Shane tells the story of what it's kind of like to be a behavior analyst day by day, 365 days a year. He thought it was a good time at the idea. I mean, a good idea at the time. <laughs> Switch those words there. <laughs> so welcome back, Shane. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was a, a hell of an introduction. Like I don't do praise very well, so that was really tough to sit through. But are you I, feeling really awkward right now? I, yeah, a little bit. But it was. I, but I appreciate you kind of introducing me, to everybody. I, if you, if anybody ever meets me in person, just call me Shane. You don't have to say all that other stuff. That's totally fine. <laughs> he's like, we should have done a preference assessment before to see what he might potentially find reinforcing. Not praise. No. I'm just happy to be here. That's all. All right. <laughs> good. Works. Yeah. If you see Shane, I mean, he's got long hair. He's got a beard. He's very chill. Great energy. Um, not pretentious at all. <laughs> I try not to be. I, there's some stuff I get soapboxy about, but I try not to be. So it's just a matter of what day you catch me and how much whiskey I've had, mostly. But I'll tell you this. My students uh, message me frequently after they watch our videos and say, Casey, we love that soapbox you were on. We I get it. And I'm like, I'm the queen of soapboxes. Like, there you I'm go. It's so a good, passionate. It's not a bad thing. It's not. Um, all right, Shane. So we are here to talk about a lot of things. There was a lot of things from the last episode that I had on my outline that we didn't get to. But I really want to um, talk about your book because I know the readers, I mean, the listeners can't see this but this book is and by the, the way i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i know we usually do behavioral concepts um but the thing is shane's book is one big behavioral concept so um i told you i'm waiting to get my hands on the copy um casey got this scheduled on our schedule before i even got to read my copy but that's okay because me and casey are such a great team that she has told me every detail she's like every time there's a behavioral concept um, there's an asterisk. So if Casey were to write down every single asterisk in the book, uh, this episode would be five ever. And we don't want to do that right now. So just so you know, when you check out the book, you'll see asterisk and then it's going to be some form of conceptually systematic information. Absolutely. Am I right? Am I right there? 
That's that's what I tried to do. Yeah. I mean, because I started writing it and I was like, oh, shit, like if I want the other people to read this, they're not going to understand. Or like if I just say CMORs and stuff like that, people are going to be like, what the fuck is that? So I tried Which to really what like what I thought was so incredibly relatable to people outside of the field, too, that want to read it. Right. Like yeah. you made it so um, approachable that if some I would recommend this to friends and family that aren't in the field to get an idea of what it's like to be in our field, because a lot of people don't get what we do. So it's like a right. great dissemination tool, but also makes it user friendly where someone's like, what's a limited hold? Oh, guess what? I can go look that shit up and I'll understand <laughs> it because you broke it down perfectly. Awesome. Thank you. I, you know, I really tried. I really tried because I mean, I, what I wanted to do was just give, I, I wanted to be able to kind of like capture what it is kind of like to be a behavior analyst. I had this weird, um, like this transition and, uh, and as I started kind of writing about it and writing about the experience, I realized, you know, I could do something really cool with this. If I just start documenting from that day one, it was, and it really was, I started a new job at a, at a company that I wasn't, you know, I'd been with for a while and I'm still there um, and still in that job, which is cool. But I was like getting on a plane uh, to start this new job. And my whole job was going to be traveling around and training people. And it was really a bizarre thing. Cause you know, you mentioned all the stuff that I had done and I, and I'm like, I'm already tired. I'm 34 years old and I'm exhausted. Like you see all this gray hair and shit. And, mm -hmm. um, and you know, the thing was, is like, I started really early. I just put my nose to the whetstone and just went for it and just kind of you know, ended up where I ended up. I just, I wanted to see what happened. And that's, and this is kind of where this led to, led me to, I guess. So I, it, it's, it was one of those things where I just had to start somewhere. So. I think that's what we, I mean, with any passion project, you just have to start somewhere and you yeah. started. Um, and I think it's interesting. So take us back to like who Shane was like as a youngster in leading up to these uh, events that kind of led you to like rock bottom where you were like, shit, I got to change my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I don't share my story a whole lot, but people who know me know this, like I went through this really crazy situation. So um, I am, I, I was born and raised in the same city. I was born and raised in Daytona Beach. I've lived here my whole life. Um, you know, I was born to a really great family, totally normal life. Like I was a straight A student, went to the same school, didn't move, lived in the same house growing up. Like I had that like straight up perfect, like privileged life that people always talk about. Like I, I recognize that. Then when I got to be a teenager, I got to into like punk rock and playing music and touring and bands and doing all stuff. And that's when I started kind of like not getting in trouble. I was still a straight A student. I still had scholarships. I still had all that, but I was dabbling. shoplifting on the side. Yeah, yeah, I was dabbling. Like I was a straight edge kid. So like I wasn't doing any drugs. I never did any drugs. But then I was like shoplifting and vandalizing and breaking. Wait, wait, in, wait, like, wait, wait. What was the function? Uh so for shoplifting, it was it was access because I stole most of the books that I have. <laughs> like I wasn't even stealing anything cool. Like I Nerd. wasn't stealing like yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't like hot wiring cars or anything like that. I was like, oh my god, I really want this Dostoevsky book, so I'm just gonna snatch this. You know, it was so dumb. All those so, books I see behind you are those there? uh about half of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so about half of them. So um, you know, I kind of you know, but by the time I turned 18, I went to college. I I I was a music major, I was a a humanities major and I was a marine biology major and ended up dropping out of college because I ended up um, at the time getting my girlfriend pregnant. So ended up having a child pretty early. By the time I, I just turned 19, had a child, uh, had dropped out of college, was working at Starbucks and that was my whole life. And that year um, that I had my daughter, I moved out of my parents for the first time. I got married, had a kid, 
got divorced, moved back into my parents, dropped out of college, changed jobs. Like it was like this whole year of like total pandemonium. And when I went through my divorce, I ended up going through this pretty serious divorce and had to go through custody battle and all that. And have been raising my daughter ever since. So I have right now she's 14. So, which is a whole set of things going on. <laughs> 14 oh, year old. Oh thing. my gosh. I think when yeah. I turned 14, my mom was like, what in the F is actually wrong with you? Like I would, I was always a happy kid. And then like I turned 14 and I like locked myself in my room and I would sit in the dark and draw like black circles over and over and like all this weird stuff. Like I That's was her. Yeah. 14 year old girls. My parents sent me to outward bound. They're like, you're so materialistic. <laughs> you're going to live in the wilderness for three weeks straight in one outfit. And that's what I did. <laughs> in one outfit. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, and she's very much so like that. I mean, she's like a clone of me, which is a challenge. Um, but she, but you know, she's a, she's a really good kid. And so, you know, just, it's one of those things where we talk about parents all the time. Like you're never given a, um, you know, a, a handbook to do this. So, just really just figure it out as you go. And and that's kind of what we've done. And so, you know, as I was kind of trying to figure some stuff out, my ex-wife was, um, um, had some challenges going on and I was like, I'm going to go back to school to figure out what's going on. So I'm going to study psychology, study psychology, uh, get an internship doing case management, uh, discover that case management is pretty cool. I'm reading a treatment plan and my intern site uh, supervisor goes, well, what do you, what do you want to do with this internship? And I was like, this behavior analysis thing sounds cool. And I got hired right then I got hired cause I could take a punch. I got hired cause I was a big, I was about 300 pounds at the time. So I could take a punch. I could, uh, I was taller than most of the clients that we worked with. And that's why I got hired. And so sounds about uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, I think, I feel like a lot of people find behavior analysis like that, right? They kind of stumble into it. And you had a pulse. Um, a pulse. Yeah. And a pulse. Yeah. At the time, like, and at the time this was 2010. So there was no RBT credential. Like the, I was testing on the third edition task list. There, there was, it was all the stuff. Right. And so I, I became a, what's called a BSA. I was a behavior assistant, worked with a couple of cases. My first six cases were total chaos. Um, like people smashing teeth, uh, addictions, uh, just all kinds of stuff. Uh, blind or I'm sorry. Deaf sex offender was one of my first clients that I worked with. Yeah, just all kinds of stuff. And so then uh, within a year, I became a BCABA. And then the year after that, I was a BCBA. Like it was within two years of getting into the field, I was a behavior analyst and uh, have just been kind of coasting ever since. Just I, I do the thing where I go, why not? And I end up in a situation where now I'm now I've got all these things, like all these feathers in my cap accidentally. And now I'm like, man, I should I need to learn how to say no more. So but for a long time, I said yes to a lot of stuff. So that's kind of how I ended up here. Just really fell into it. So you on the show in particular on the show, you're like, on, I should have said show, no. Yeah. <laughs> the show, just, <laughs> just in general, but yeah, the show too. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, I wanted to like kind of, so I'm trying to like conceptualize where I want this episode to go. Cause I have so many friggin' notes and tabs and topics <laughs> where I'm like, what? But like, uh, I think definitely um, I'm, I pulled a lot of quotes from like your, um, your book. And for listeners kind of understand, like, so one thing that, you know, he, so he's, it's like diary entries. And one thing you posted was, um, you never know what someone else's crisis looks like. And, um, that rung really true. Cause this morning in our morning meeting with some ladies that we formed for the past 10 weeks, um, we, that was a topic today it was like, you don't know what other people are going through or what battles they're facing. So when we are quick to judge or we're quick to react, um, taking a step back and being like, you know what, 
like, and again, I run, you know, a lot of the customer service for studying OCDA and right. revisions. And, uh, you know, it's definitely, it's a, a skill that you need to work on. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think, um, you know, that, that, that kind of started with this idea because I spent a lot of time working with, uh, you know, people who are like significant crises, like people who are engaging in 5,000 incidents of self-injurious behavior a month, who are breaking their noses, who are in helmets, who are gouging their eyes out, like really intense stuff. And so then when I started working in early intervention, and I started working with a four-year-old and he's tantruming. I'm like, that's not a crisis. That's not a crisis. You know, I was kind of like, what? Go, oh, let's get over it. And then I had to kind of take a step back and say like, and this is like the perspective shift, like the paradigm shift that I had was that, you know, my crisis is not your crisis. So mm-hmm. I had to kind of take a step back and say, you know, you just don't know. So, you know, the person is responding to something that's relevant in their environment to some MO somewhere. They're, they're responding to that. So you kind of have to take a step back and realize it's not their fault. It's the environment. So uh, that's kind of where that came from. I was going to say, I love that part about the, um, we, we always look at human behavior, but it's really looking at the environment too. Yeah, like, for what sure. What is occurring to like the antecedents, all the MOs, all the background information, what is going on that is almost more important than what the behavior is because right. that's what we need to change, right? That's what we need to manipulate. Yeah, Absolutely. So I think even since doing our, our podcast, just with different guests we've had on, I think in the past year we've learned that a lot. Like, you know, we've had different people who have been involved, different crime, criminal activity. Um, I remember we had someone who was a pimp and I remember coming from that. Like, I was like, mom, you wouldn't believe who I just interviewed. She's like, who I'm like a pimp. She's like, Oh my God, did you want to slap him in the bloody face? I'm like, she's out, she's out (laughs) African. I'm like, I'm like, no, actually like, I want to be his best friend. Like I totally see why he did that. Like, what else did he have? He had to take care of a family, he had to do this, he had to do that. And like, just, you know. He had to survive, it, basically. Like the yeah. MOs were so different. It was like, I have to survive. I have to care for my family. And like what you say about that is so true. And I feel like just, I understood it. But with the different guests we've had on, I've really seen that as like, wow. Yeah. I mean, we're all product of our environment, but it's really interesting to kind of start when you really start looking at that. And like, when you start having that shift where you're like, oh yeah, that is true. Like you read it in the books and Skinner was a, you know, he had all, he was, he had so much to say about it. But at the end of the day, like when you start seeing that in action, you're kind of like, well, shit, like it is not that person's fault. Like you stop blaming people. You stop getting as upset with people and you kind of just go, okay, well, it is the environment. I can take a step back from that and look at how I can better support that person to get them what they need or what skill they're missing. It's really kind of an interesting perspective. It sure Amazing. is. And, uh, you know, expecting so much out of our clients and like so much more than their peers and like changing yeah. like who they are because, you know, and I always look at that. If there's some type of um, like self stimulatory behavior, I'm like, listen, I freaking rock when I, t- I rock to like, self-soothe like we're not we're not targeting that behavior unless it's like seriously impeding on their life like right if i i mean i pick my fingernails like i do so many and her nose and her nose (laughs) (laughs) very first episode i didn't realize that Liat could see me and i definitely picked my nose and she like called it out on the episode and i was super embarrassed but i i let it roll um there are worse things there are worse things uh so yeah so like i'm like listen like oh we all have our things right so like oh yeah just focusing on that. Um, second thing, second, there's like 400 things on this list, but we'll probably <laughs> do like four episodes with you. Um, that's fine. You, you know, back, you talk in early stages. So you're in like 2000, 
I mean, 18, 19. Um, so before COVID even happened, and you talk a lot about the behavior analytic community and how amazing the community is. And um, we totally feel that. And I think it's gotten even a more amazing through COVID. Like, yeah. it's insane. The amount of I, people don't understand, like there's a couple students we have that are um, counselors. They're not even in our field, but they are so interested. They want to take the course to learn and um, what they've seen and their feedback of being like, oh, my God, this is this doesn't happen in fields. Right. Yeah. It's been this really interesting movement, I would say. I mean, you see a group of people who are incredibly flexible and adaptable. And I think that was one thing that was really neat to see. I think what helps is that our community is very like close knit is still very small. So we have the ability, we don't have a lot of those systems that kind of that they're, that are going to kind of blockade us moving through that. But it's really an unbelievable feat to watch all these organizations come together and say, Hey, you know what? Here's free CEUs. Hey, you know what? We're going to move all of our conferences online and we're going to make this work. I mean, to me, that is such an unprecedented thing. And it's really cool to see the behavioral, uh, one of our, one of, one of my colleagues calls it behavioral artistry or like the behavioral flexibility around like kind of making stuff work. Hey, we we're here. We've got the, we've got generalizable skills. Let's make it work. So. What is that quote that you talk about? Like, I didn't, of course, I didn't write this one thing down. The man behind the behavior curtain. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I talk about, um, I talk about this idea that once you start learning like behavior analytic, uh, concepts and start seeing the world through a behavior analytic lens, you can't unsee it. It's like the man behind the curtain in, in the wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Like, okay, yeah. 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 So like, once you see the wizard, like, you know, all the, like, not necessarily that the magic is gone, but you have a better understanding of what's actually happening and yeah. you can't unsee it. Right. So I think that's been my experience for the last like 10, 12 years. Like, once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it. I literally feel like that's what our class was about today. I, yeah. I was talking about it. We had a class, uh, like a free class we offered during COVID now, and it was called um, talking tests. Like if you could talk it, you could test it. Like if you're able to see this in your everyday life in terms of like, you don't need to sit in front of your Cooper book all day and study. Yes, you need to read it. Everyone listening, don't think that that means like you could just walk around and jack off. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm talking you could do that too as a reinforcer pre-Mac, you know, but um, just along the lines of like, once you see something, everything you do, whether it's like your practice within business or it's your practice within um, like how you get along with other people or how you train someone or why you purchase all this shit online. Like it's just, and I was saying like, it's literally to the point that I could go to my therapist's office when I need a refill on my Adderall every month. And she's like, so what's going on, Liad? I'm like, well, I've been exhausted. People have been coming to me all the time and I respond to them at all times. So I know like I'm reinforcing their behavior ultimately. And I'm like, okay, you guys need to give me some space and boundaries, but I do reinforce it. They'll write to me at 1am. I'll write back, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how annoying am I? Like, I literally am saying, she's like, okay, so you, you why are you refill? here? You yeah. need a refill? I'm like, yeah, refill. That's, Thanks. that's the main thing. That's the main thing. <laughs> it's so funny. I know I, I started seeing a like telehealth uh, therapist and Every time we finish, she's like, so why, what do you think you need to come back? I don't, I'm confused because the whole time I'm just like, you know, search, you know, I'm like, I, but I know I do this. I'll say it. And then I'll be like, but this is why <laughs> like as right. a behavior analyst, she's like, you're exhausting. I'm like, I know I'm exhausting. Yeah. yeah sorry. Being married like, to me. We right. We can't help it. We can't help we can't it. Help We're, it. What, my, my, uh, my wife told me the other day that everything I do stresses her out like everything. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sure that I do. I, I know that I do. I know I've got to be the most like cause I'm not organized. Like I seem like I do a lot of stuff and I'm very organized in my work, but outside of that, not organized at all. I'm so forgetful. I'm like the absent-minded professor. It's ridiculous. 
It's legit. I'm intense. I'm intense. <laughs> like, no, this is like a prime example of what she did to me earlier. She called. We've been doing this for what? I mean, she's been running this collective for almost two and a half years and the outline stays the same and there's task list items on there. Like it's legit the same. And we were on the phone earlier and she's like all like hyped up about this new idea for like an ethics thing. And she's like, do the, do the students have like access to like know what to cross off for the task list? I'm like, are you serious? Is that a serious question? And we've been doing this for two years and you, you literally see the outline every single class. Like it's the end of every single class. And she's like, like, you okay, know, cool. it's there. She's like, okay, cool. I'm glad that you have that under control. I'm like, oh my Lord. That's like, hilarious. I, that's fantastic. It's amazing. And that's how we work so well together. Cause I am very like, do, 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 do. And she's like the brain child. And I'm just like, here, come back down to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's okay. Yeah, I'm intense. Like, I'm so intense. I know oh, it. So There are worse so. things. But I think that also like in a lot of the book that I would love, the reason I want Liat to read this is because a lot of what you um, talk about is, um, you know, these to-do lists we have, like, right? Like they're crazy working from home, people not understanding in your home that you are working. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you're work like sometimes my work, my to-do list has what? Yeah, she's showing all her to-do lists right now. If you guys are listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys want to see something serious? Oh, hold on, hold on. My to-do lists are never ending. Like so not reinforcing. Yeah, it's you know, I the it's it's it, I, I added like 10 tasks today and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, there you go. See, there's that's see, that's much cleaner than mine. Mine's all handwritten, I can't read it. Like, I have a question. Sorry, off topic. Is your desktop like organized on your computer? No. Me neither. Ugh. It's the worst. Like, I hate it. Like it's like, oh, I'm getting a lawyer to make these contracts to like form whatever for the company and this and that. And it's like, but I paid her all that, but where would I locate it if I needed it later? You know, it's like, right. I know I took the steps, but like, where is it? Right, no, right. Like, you know where me, it is. She sends so. me all these emails and she's like, okay, there'll be like 40 emails. And I'm like, whoa. And she's like, I don't know what to do with any of this. I'm like, I'll just put it in the Google Drive in the folder that says import, important lawyer documents. And she's like, that's great. I'm like, <laughs> she called me for this too. And she was like, um, the class that Danielle sent you today, can, can you save it somewhere? I'm like, yeah, I already put it into specialty classes folder on the drive. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's, yeah. you know, whatever works. I mean, I, I need to get a better system, but my system is totally shot right now. Like I have to basically like burn it all down and rebuild it. Cause it's, it's a mess right now. I can't keep track of anything. Actually, yeah. I lost everything on my computer, like not too long ago. Like, and it was so nice starting yeah. over from a clean screen. Like actually, yeah, it was like. It was like, okay, like I could not be emotional over these papers I wrote in grad school, whatever. Like I could start over and it was so nice, but I'm yeah, back. You don't have again. to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. It, it builds up. And I think our community is also so close knit because we all are very kind of like, I was looking at your like kind of qualities of behavior and, um, uh, what the, I can't even come up with the words, a behavior <laughs> <laughs> analyst. Jesus, <laughs> I got really thrown off trying to show you guys my cool whiteboard. Um, is that like we're, you know, a lot of us are, um, we don't know what to do if we're not busy. If we're not yeah. working, 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 what are like, when do we engage in the self care? When do we give ourselves a break so we don't? And I think that's why we have so much burnout is that we're yeah. just like, I will do everything I can to help every single client and every single person, no matter who it is. And um, like, that's just like the, I don't know if it's the nature of the beast or it's like, you know, you talk a lot about self care and I know you did a dissertation on it. So, yes, I did. 
Yeah. So, but so here's the, here's the thing that I think about the field. And this is kind of where I get soapboxy is I think that we spend so much time training to be very technical and look at behavior as behavior and not really look at it beyond that. I think that there are some talks where we say we have to value our clients, uh, you know, rights and dignity. And I think that we, there is that stuff, but I think the majority of our training is so clinical and so analytic that we lose sight of the fact that like, we're working with humans. I'm a human being. I can only do so much. You know, we kind of, I, I think that I very seriously think that a lot of behavioral analysts are traumatized without realizing that they're traumatized. So I go back to an example where when I first started, I was about 30 days in and I got knocked out cold over a can of soda. Like this guy was about six foot four, 300 something pounds, hit me with a backpack full of magazines, knocked me out cold in the middle of the street, like 5:30 in the morning oh over a can of Coke. And I still remember exactly what happened that entire morning. That was 10 years ago. Like I remember every little bit. And to me, it's like when I saw him probably for another like six to eight months afterwards, I would still have my heart rate would increase. I would still be really nervous. Like that's some straight up trauma shit. And we, everybody's got those stories. Every behavior analyst that you talk to has a war story. So on one hand, we have that war story. On the second hand, the culture reinforces it. So we don't reinforce the, oh, you did a good job taking a break. Oh, you good a job, did, did a good job saying no. Oh, you know what? You took a weekend off. How awesome is that? We don't spend time building that culture and that kind of perpetuates the problem too. I'm literally laughing because I think, you know, just on the study notes ABA account, how many like BCVAs, RVTs, the account follows. And literally probably every day I see like, the reposts of someone like posting a body part and being like, it was like bruises or scratches. And it's literally like, like, yeah, yeah. Look what I got. And it's like, I'm literally flashing back right now and having those same reactions that <laughs> Shane just talked about with it. I worked with adults, very, you know, severe, challenging behavior. And we were, uh, I was in, in home and uh, he literally was so smart. He, he eloped like crazy and it was dangerous because he would break into people's houses and try to eat their food and he could get shot. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, one time we had this whole alarm system and this whole door locking and he was so smart. He figured that shit out. And I turned my back for a second. He got out and he was running barefoot in the winter. And I was, I had sneakers on. Luckily, like I knew what I, what, what I need to come to work wearing. And I was running and running and running and running. And I like was so out of breath, but I didn't stop. I'm just yelling for him to stop, 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 stop calling the police on one line while I'm running. And it was the most traumatic experience I've like yeah. ever been through. And I was like, I didn't, you know, at this point, like there was no, you don't do any restraints with him or anything. And, um, all I was just thinking is like, please Lord, stop, like, please come back to me. And yeah. It was, I have nightmares actually about that. That's crazy. So yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And so there's the, there's this culture of that where, where that gets like, that story would be like, oh, that's so crazy. You know, did you like da 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 da? And you kind of hear that. And it's like, you don't get reinforced for like, hey, I taught a kid how to go to Man. Subway and order a sub for yeah. the first time. Like, right. hey, you know, I work with this guy who doesn't have to be locked in his house anymore because he's not eloping into the highway. So isn't that cool? Like we don't talk about those stories. Mm -hmm. And I think that perpetuates some of that and actually leads to some of the burnout that we experience. What I find interesting is what you're saying also is we're in this field. We literally are studying what to do for these interventions for these, you know, oftentimes individuals with autism, not always, but whatever it is, we know what to do. We know how to be reinforcing. We know how to do whatever it is. But as an industry, or at least what I've seen in a lot of different companies, they're not doing this with staff. Like, 
they're doing it with clients yeah. having them on these programs, but like staff, it's like, here's a non-compete punitive. Here you go. <laughs> oh, you're not going to meet your 120 uh, billable hours this month. You get a deduct in your base salary. Oh, okay. Um, you got a kid to do this. Why does that person always get the easy cases? You know, it's yeah. like, and yeah. it's like maybe that wasn't an easy case. And that person got that, like, you know, that child excited to learn and, um, you know, able to comply and pre-attend and, you know, they, they, that child gets to engage in more preferred activities as a result, you know? And I yeah. just feel like it, sometimes it upsets me to see that it's like, wait, don't we understand generalization here that like, if just because we're, but we've learned how to do this with these individuals that like these staff employees are also individuals. Like we could generalize it across to them too. Missing, missing pieces. We are, I think Jim Carr said that we are a, a maturing field. And I think that's one area that we are sorely lacking in is like OBM related to our own people. I think, and that's part of the reason why I wrote the book is like, I don't think that we do a good job of actually looking at ourselves. We do a great job of looking at other people's behavior and analyzing everybody and, and being able to say, Hey, I got, I got a fix for this. I got a fix for that. We have, we can do like Pat Fryman does a fantastic job talking about that, where he's like, we have this way of thinking that could save the world. And it's like, you're right. But none of us look at ourselves. None of us look at our own behavior in a really meaningful way that is creating a culture change for the field. And that, I mean, if you really, if you really take the time to look at research, look up research on behavior analysts, where the behavior analyst is a subject. You will very <laughs> rarely find an article in general, let alone on self-care, let alone on any of those things. You will very rarely find an article. And it's because we don't turn the lens on ourselves. And that's what I wanted to do with this was like, Look, this is something I'm going to turn the lens on myself. I'm a pretty private person in general, really uncomfortable to put that out. But here's the reality of what it's like to struggle in our field because we all struggle. So you do. Uh, that's so stuff. needed. So needed. You do a beautiful job on that in the book of being like today sucks, right? Today <laughs> was hard. Yeah. I am feeling some sort of friggin' way right now. And you know, you share a lot of stories about um, cases, no, you know, ethically, you don't provide, you know, no names, but, um, you know, I've been in so many of those situations too, like the, the, you know, man, and then you have really good days where you're like, today was a freaking win, right? Like, yeah, the parents listened, they all agreed, you know, kids making progress. Like, those are the things I love that you shared. You shared both sides. You did turn the lens back on yourself and also reflected in you as a father right? You as a person of like realizing all your behaviors, like your motivation when you have those like peaks yeah. and when you have those valleys. Um, yeah. and we all have that. Like I'll be yesterday, like I was on fire, right? Leah, I like led meetings, like a boss with lawyers and web and like, and then like this morning I'm like, no, I just like, I'm not feeling the same way. Like my motivation is lower. I want to prepare for, I'm just in a different place. Right. So right. this field is full of intermittent reinforcement like there's days where you're like fuck this today does not seem like a good day for me to get beat up i remember like when i was like working more clinically and with my lupus i'm already like in agony right like on some days my flare-ups are worse and it's like listen dude today i just cannot get hit like if i'm getting hit today i'm just letting you fucking know it's not one of these days right and of course like that's the day you get hit right right and you're just like ah! um but then there's these other days that are so rewarding. Like it, also there's 
a lot of the times often, you know, like a lot of delays and reinforcement and like all these different principles in terms of maintaining our behavior, even in terms of these like on a variable ratio. And, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to try this again with them. Let's see if it works. Okay. I'm going to try it yeah. again. I'm going to try it again. Yeah. Oh, wait, it worked this time. Okay. I'm in, I'm in. I love this field. It's so sick. We can make changes. <laughs> we could do this. And then other days it's like, I literally remember the conversation exactly of like being with another, um, she was an RBT and then she turned to a BCBA while, all while I was there. And we'd have the conversation regularly. She's like, sometimes I just think like, why don't I go work at Hobby Lobby? I mean, like, it seems Same so amount of money. <laughs> Arts and crafts, you know? And, but then there's other days where you're like, I love this. Mm -hmm. I'm a superhero. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, that was the thing is like, I've always loved the science. Like that to me was something that was really cool. The science was always something I've never lost passion for that. It's the people sometimes, and it's not the client. It's usually being, parent. you know, being it's, it's not even, I would say it's maybe every now and again, it's a parent. I mean, I've had parents that have gone above and beyond to try to make my life miserable. Um, there are some parents that do that, uh, you know, it, but it's like being the expert witness and having to be cross-examined by a lawyer and having to deal with that bullshit and somebody trying to like make you feel like you didn't earn your credential or that you don't know what you're talking about or insurance companies that are trying to make you feel like you don't know shit about what you're doing with this client. And it's like, you don't have any idea. You don't, you're not there with us. You're not there taking the punches. You're not getting the shit smeared on you. You're not there when the kid says their first word or gets to go out into the community independently and, and gets their first girlfriend. You're not there for any of that stuff. So how dare you? And that's the kind of stuff that makes me, that gets me like riled up mm -hmm. more than anything. I've always loved the science. It's just the, all the, all the extra it's bullshit. The systems. Comes with it. It's the, yeah. you know, broken systems. I totally agree. The science is cool. Writing reauths for insurance. Not so cool. Uh, <laughs> like even, even with like, I love teaching class. I love teaching about the science to everyone. Lawyers. I literally cannot stand dealing with a website backend. I hate, but the science yeah. itself is so cool. Yeah. And I think it could be overwhelming too. the science itself, because you have this science that could be used on anything, not overwhelming. Like, the science is actually pretty simple. Like, I mean, right. there's, it's pretty conceptually systematic and like basic terms you could apply it to. But sometimes I think it could be overwhelming being like, like I'll go into a place and be like, if this restaurant just had a little bit of a program to decrease that IRT and maybe reinforce these people a little more with this. And I'm like, yeah. dude, can I just get food at a restaurant? You know, like right. that's, that's the man behind the curtain. That's it. And that's what Shane talks about a ton in this book is like, he'll talk about this. He's in an airport. He is looking at behavior principles. He's on the plane looking at behavior principles. He's, you know, in anything at his family event, looking at his like family's behavior, like, of you know, inebriation and like, you know, being an AO for social punishers and like the yeah. interactions. Um, and one thing that you did, and I actually want, almost wanted to say this during class daily app, but I didn't um, because people get so hung up on content sometimes that they just are so rigid and they just don't just like be flexible. Um, is that you? Is that quote from, what? Uh, it's a quote from the book. Sometimes it is not worth behavior analyzing everything. Being human is far more important. And yeah. that was a big aha moment for me where I'm like, oh my God, I need to tell my students this sometimes because there's a fine line between analyzing everything and putting it into like your life, but also stepping back and being like, not everything's going to fit into this box. We are complex human beings. Like, yeah, 
it is, we, and a lot of the book talks about too, is like your own private verbal behavior, private events, how much yeah. they actually do influence our overt behaviors the behaviors that you can see. Um, yeah. It is a fucked up world in there sometimes. <laughs> and, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 people are complex and, you know, behavior simple. People are complex. And I think that, you know, it, there's just, there's just got to be some space where you're kind to yourself. Like you've got to be able to step back and just be kind to yourself and give yourself some slack because I think that's a big part of why people suffer. I mean, when you, I, that one of the things I, I pretty recently I'd read the happiness trap and just kind of had that moment where I was like, you know, I, I have my skepticism about just science in general, but the idea of just being kind to yourself and like, is that helpful? Is what I'm doing helpful? Is that situation helpful? Is that thing that I just said helpful? I was just talking to somebody the other day about like discussing the term, the, the idea of fate and how fate isn't really a thing, like or free will isn't really a thing, right? Like we were talking about free will is what it was. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how free will isn't a thing. And, and, and the conversation came up and it was like, well, like how is that useful to the layperson? Like, why are you going to take that away from somebody? It was Dr. Dr. Carrie Trump. If you ever get a chance to talk to, to her, she's fantastic. But she was saying like, you know, why would you tell somebody that? Like, why would you tell somebody that situation and let them suffer with uh, like knowing that there is no free will and that they, that everything is governed by the environment. So I don't know, mm-hmm. just, just the idea that sometimes things aren't useful is a, is an important, I think, aspect of what we do as a behavior community. And that leads me to another quote from your book, guys. I'm just like, tab in this book all over the place, <laughs> but you had said, um, it was a quote that you also heard from somebody else. Um, being too hard on yourself, right? So it was, uh, I don't know who you got it from, but it was, she has a lot on her plate right now. She's doing her best and it's okay that her best isn't perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that is huge. Yeah, I think that behavior analysts need to hear that every now and again. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Like, you know, we are not gonna be perfect. We are gonna mess up. We are gonna miss stuff here and there. We just gotta be, we gotta be gentler to ourselves and to the community. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, I, I think that we miss that a lot because I think that we get so like kind of what you're saying before, like people get rigid with their terminology. They get rigid with the science. They get rigid with this. It's like, you know what? Like you can throw every article in the world at me. I'm tired. This worked. Here's what I'm going to start with here. We'll, we'll make it. We'll, we'll be okay. Okay. This kid's not, there's kids not pulling their hair out anymore. So I think that we did something good. Parsimonious, you know? right? Pragmatic, simplest, yeah, simplest exactly. things first. Exactly. Um, and then, okay, so there's so many things in this book. I like, I, <laughs> we're never going to get through this in the, like the hour, but, um, and also I want to have you back on again at some point to talk more about like the, your, your sexual experience, not like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the, 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 my professional experience in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Shame. And I was not, and I was not a pimp. So just so that's clear too, did not, work in, I did not do sex work. So yeah. uh, it's more research and education is what I was trying to say. Yeah, not- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Cool. That went over well. Um, all right. So you talk about, and I love this. We love CMOs, right? Ah, Liat, if she was a behavior principal, she'd be CMOT. She loves that shit. Um, but I love your uh, talk about Mondays, right? Yeah. Everybody hates Mondays for some reason. I don't like Mondays are just another day. Like, you know, the expectation, the work until is coming COVID, ultimately. Until COVID. Uh, until now- COVID. That's fair. Yeah, now, people now are like, I have something to do. I saw a meme about it. That's why I'm saying that. They're like, <laughs> I mean, it's been a bizarre shift, right? I don't know. I just, the thing with Mondays is like, you have to understand why it's so aversive. Like, why do people find it to be a threat? And it's just essentially like a presentation of a task 
termination of preferred reinforcers, right? That's ultimately because the weekend is over, so you don't get to do all that cool stuff. But the truth is, is like there's some cool stuff that happens every single day in behavior analysis, and Monday could be a really cool thing if you just kind of look at what's cool within it. So I don't know. I just that Mondays are a funny thing to me. Just like I, I started thinking about that, and I was like, why do people really hate Mondays? And the simplest thing is they're just losing reinforcers. I think it's Sunday. Is it Sunday to CMOR part? Like Sunday night? It's like, oh shit, this clock yeah. striking down. It's like ugh, signaling, but I love Oh how- shit, it's a good time for me to be sick and escape or avoid this. <laughs> yeah, or like I, we talk about, I talk about that with alarm clocks too. Like alarm clocks signal that you're losing sleep, right? Like, oh, I hate my alarm clock because it means that I lose sleep, but it also means that you woke up another day. So like, that's the other part of that that you have to look at. It's like, yeah, I might lose sleep, but also like I'm alive and I get to have a, a whole nother day of experiences, which I think is the way that we should really look at that. I just had a light bulb moment for how to explain this better to students about how CMORs can be signaling uh, things are going to get worse or things are going to improve because that yeah. is people like, but how does, what would it be to improve? Cause no one really talks about that. Um, it's exactly that. It's like more of your mindset, right? Like shit's about to get better, bitch. You're going to get out of bed yeah. and you are lucky that you can put your feet on the ground and like eat food right. and you have a house and like, yeah. My alarm clock means I get to go get coffee. Yes. It's awesome. That's awesome. That's brilliant. So yeah, so I pro you do a promise CMOR that like it's gonna be a good thing, right? Yeah. Mondays things are gonna get better. So I love that. Um. All right. What? uh, Let me get down these lists. I'm just you know you know I'm such a list person. (laughs) There's so many things. Um. uh, This is what I loved. Okay. You talk about your to do list. Uh, We touched this a little bit earlier, but so you know you wrote like uh, emails, podcasts graduate teaching it was probably like five things right which yeah that's how my to-do list typically looks like a day too so people are like that's like five things that's nothing um but you say it may look short but you got to consider the competing activities right so competing contingencies what's going on in the environment your phone your husband your cat just shit which my cat did and it smells horrible right now i'm like i just want (laughs) to clean the litter box (laughs) to be perfectly transparent i'm like girl um you also want to look at the length of the task, the IRT, the inter-response time between the tasks, right? So these five items can really like lead to like a 12-hour day. And it, that is so true. Like yeah. you got to look at all of that. So five things, right? Look, oh, I got an easy little to-do list. You got to think about all these different things that go into it. That's right. why I'm into like breaking, like my thing will be like, I got three things done today. And I'm like, uh, but it's like, dude you coded the whole back of a website, like in a language you don't even understand. And you explained it all to a developer, like, you know, but on my list, that looks like less than if I like wrote on my list, like pick up one sock on the floor, hang up towel and give yourself a high five in the mirror. Then it's like, Oh, I did three things, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is I think, I think it's, you know, that's where I love when you start talking about measurement because rate and, and quality, the quality, or the accuracy of the response gets like that get that part gets lost right i did three things but like that one thing is hey i just pressure washed the entire house right that's right. one thing but that is a big task you know so when you start thinking about that i think people i think that gets lost in the discussion a little bit but i mean when i teach a graduate level course i'm teaching for hours at a time so that's a big chunk of the day so like how yeah, exhausting tasks- it's exhausting right Oh, it can be. It can be. I mean, I love it, but it it does get like you have to be really present and on. Yeah, you really do. And if you have days that are off, then you're going to misinterpret a concept. You're going to say something wrong. Like you're going to give somebody the wrong information and then they're going to go out and be like, I bombed this test because you told me that, you know, uh, discriminative stimulus was this and it was actually this. And so you're like, damn it. Like you kind of like freak out. But 
yeah, it's it can be really tough. All I mean, every all the work that we do requires us to be on, and that's exhausting. And people don't realize how exhausting that is in itself. Yeah, you talk a lot about which also struck to me, which is why again I want we have to read this, is because we are teachers for the collective, and uh, our behavior is continuously shaped. Each collective, we get you know deeper, smarter. You know, students raise questions that we're like, well, scratch, scratch, scratch. Let's reach out to our mentors in the field who have twenty years experience and really lock this concept down. And the more you get deeper and deeper into it, it's like, oh shit, so many things can be yeah. so many things, and like you don't want to teach the, to the test that way. So you're trying to like. Be like, Sima, Sima, Sima. Yes, yes, yes. We get what you're saying, but let's just focus at face value what exactly you're going to need to know for the test. But you said to your uh, class right. on reinforcement and punishment is when you always learn the most, right? You, your behavior shaped up the most. And you're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, you learn so much when you're teaching it. You really do. I mean, I think, I think too, you know, I started teaching experimental design and that was one class that I was like, oh, well, this is now I'm having aha moments, right? Like talk about reinforcement punishment, better ways to explain it, talking about MOs, better ways to explain that. I remember teaching on MOs and then having an aha moment in the middle of teaching it being mm -hmm. like, oh shit, that's what that is. And, uh, and you know, it's funny. I didn't like, and we're talking eight years, six years after I got certified that I was like, got this, you know? Yes. Um, it's bizarre. So it's so true though. I like when I was reading that about like hearing you talk about your teaching or another thing that I love to read the syllabus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Good Lord. And that is my life a lot. Like we like students, we freaking love you and you're all amazing. And this is not a blanket statement, but so many times I'm like, well, did you look at the outline? The course yeah. outline that has all the readings and the everything that you need. Okay. My PSA, <laughs> every graduate student on the planet is please mm -hmm. take the time to read a syllabus and then ask questions. Take the time to read the course schedule and then ask the questions. Because I promise you, most syllabi will have all the information you need. Just please read it. And then we'll answer questions. We're here to help. I, okay, love, I love my students. I love it. I know. I like love answering questions more than anything in the world. And uh, it's just something that shaped my behavior of like, before I answer the question, I'm like, oh, maybe I should, maybe they haven't looked at it yet. Like, and, and some, some of them could probably not even find it because our website's been such a disaster. But um, I have to like, <laughs> again, put myself, in their shoes, like maybe they didn't know that they had to do that. And like, so, right. I, so instead of saving my whole time of answering these questions, just forming that one question, like, Hey, did you look at your course outline? And then they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, great. Thank you. And it saves yeah. me a ton of, um, it really of time. <laughs> it's amazing how much time it saves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, the last thing I think what I want to end on is, um, first of all, congratulations on the podcast that you guys literally got uh, over what it's now over two years. Yeah. We, we just celebrated, celebrated our three year anniversary actually. Yeah. Whew. So it's the, um, what is it? Oh what my God. Tell us all about it. What's that like? What's that like <laughs> three years? I can't imagine. <laughs> I'm exhausted after one. I yeah. know. Um, so, so funny enough, uh, we just celebrated our one year with the other podcast I do too. So like we, we are like, it's been interesting to see both those milestones. Every podcast is so different, but um, it's been really cool. I think that what is really a lot of fun is going back and listening to how much you've progressed, mm -hmm. like our work from the very beginning, I, I jumped onto the podcast about episode 71. So they already had a year in their belt, like, and they kind of worked out some of the bugs, but the system has changed so much since that seven episode 71, it's changed so much since episode 81, 91. Like, I mean, it's really, it's really impressive how much the system has kind of grown and how many people have gotten involved and um, you know, how many people have left their imprint on the actual podcast itself without people really knowing. So yeah, I mean, 
it's really, really cool. It's a lot of fun. So what's um, and your I'm second podcast? Um, so I'm on a, I do a podcast called um, I Don't Want to Hear It. Uh, okay. And it's literally my buddy Mikey and I. And all we do is talk about like, uh, just punk rock related stuff. We like we do deep dives in like old punk rock, um, like real like real quiet, like not like intensive, but uh, we'll do some history. We'll do some storytelling because I think one thing I've learned about being in punk rock is that people who have not experienced that think that it sounds completely insane. And so, <laughs> so what I do is like when I share stories, I'm like we yeah. joke and we'll be like we'll be like yeah the nor- like these are stories for normies like because people who are normal quote unquote. <laughs> have never experienced this, like living in a van, touring in a band for six weeks, uh, dumpster diving for bagels, or, you know, like stealing gas from cars so that you could get to the next tour site. Like, you know, that's people, people don't know that kind of stuff about like the punk rock community uh, and really how tight knit it is. And actually how very similar to behavior analysis, the punk rock community is in terms of like, they're the heroes, they're the figureheads, they're the people that are the spokespeople there. It's a, it's a close knit community. There's a very small group of people that understand it. You know, it's really cool to see the parallels there. That's super cool. That's cool. And you disseminate it. I like that. Is that in, in your ethical code in the punk rock? Ethical code? <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I don't know if it would be punk rock to have an ethical code. So no, it would not be. That's I think actually it'd be like, counter it would be funny so no as a matter so what's interesting too and i to tie it back to kind of everything that we talked about like one of my heroes in punk rock is henry rollins and henry rollins went from being like the lead singer this really cool like from black flag and like all these really cool bands to becoming a writer and i read broken summers by henry rollins and started writing the book after i finished that and was like that's how i want to write that's something i can do he's not a technical writer he's a very like concise straightforward writer he tells the story like it is and that's really kind of where it came from so um there is this really cool like overlap of punk rock and behavior analysis that that kind of you find every now and again so nice tie back shane nice tie back yeah yeah i have my Um, moment so last question (laughs) for you um were you scared to put this book out Oh my God. Yes. Um, people who know me know that I am, uh, I don't, I don't express anything that's private. Um, I have a really hard time talking about stuff. Um, I do talk about my anxiety as just kind of like, yes, I have generalized anxiety disorder. I, I do struggle with that. Um, I've learned to manage it and that's usually what I leave it at. I don't tell people that I perseverate on something for days and days and days and days and days. I don't tell people that like there are days where I won't eat because I'm so sick to my stomach or nervous about something like people don't realize how intense it can get. And, um, now add to that, you know, when I was working at Starbucks, if I made somebody's cappuccino wrong, uh, the worst thing they got was food poisoning, you know, but <laughs> or they just got a bad uh, cappuccino. Caffeine versus decaf, right? I read that. Yeah, one. exactly. If that's the worst <laughs> thing that happens, we are okay. But, you know, it's it really thinking about, um, you know, the struggles that I had. I, I worry that when I was putting it out, I worry that it's going to paint the picture of behavior analysis or behavior analyst being um, – you know, people who struggle or people that are imperfect and or whatever. But I mean, the truth is, is we all are human. And I think I wanted to kind of put it out there for the sake of making sure that people knew behavior analysts are human, that helping professions are human and that they have the same struggles, if not more than some people that they might be treating. So, you know, I, not that my struggles are in, like terrible, but I was very nervous because I keep everything very, very private. And um, it was it's really exposing. I think, you know, it's exposing for me. I don't know that it's incredibly exposing, but it's exposing for me. I was going to say your face is pretty big on that cover. So like, that's really putting yourself out there in a way. Like I, one of the things, again, I I probably could never end this episode and I have two more topics later that we want to have two more episodes on, but 
you talk about how you feel like you're always in trouble. Like I struggle with this all the time. Like, yeah, I think like, I just got a text from like my old company, my old boss. And uh, she's like, I just want to catch up. And then she's like, I do have one question though. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, what, did what, I do? what did I mess up on four years ago? Like, oh my God. Like, that's what I immediately go to without I like jumped in the shower and I was perseverating. And I'm like, how am I going to get through the podcast when this is looming over my head? And it's probably yeah. literally nothing, but I'm like, yeah. always in trouble. I always, and Leah has had to like teach me that. Like you're ridiculous, Casey. But when right. you said it's- that in your book, I was like, Shane, we're meant to be. <laughs> that's like that, I got you. Yeah. We, we were, we were destined to be connected. I mean, I I definitely, um, I, I, that is something I have always struggled with was always worrying about like, am I going to be in trouble? Did I do something that I don't know that I did? You know, I always have that looming and that's just kind of a, uh, it's kind of a steady state for me. Like that's where I'm always at. It's like, I I always did something wrong. I did something wrong to somebody somewhere. It's just a matter of like, you know, is that person or did I do something different that I don't know about, you know? Or like, you're like, I always think I'm going to get fired. Like I do the best work. I work so hard, but always think I'm going to be fired. I'm like, (laughs) I just did. I just did my own performance review as like a comparison to uh, what I'm getting ready to get evaluated on. And I scored like a 50% on it because I'm like, I'm hard on myself, but I'm like, I know I didn't do this. I know I didn't do this. I know I didn't do this. I fucked this up. I fucked this up. I fucked this up. (laughs) And, um, and usually it's like, they're like, no, you're fine. Like you're doing fine. And I'm like, ah, like I can't just, I can't get past it. So, so hard on ourselves. I feel yeah. that strong, real strong. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So for five, sure. As Liat would say, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's wrap this one up because I am just, I, I literally could go on for hours and hours with you. I have so much more on my outline. Again, there's two things I want to talk about at some point in the future, but I want to talk about your self-care, self-care dissertation and do some, uh, you know, a podcast on self-care, which I think is super important. And also, yeah your um like we talked about your sexual experience Um, (laughs) so so, uh you know this is you are our first guest we've ever had on twice even though the first one was more like you and um hannah but it was amazing and uh yeah so you're great and go buy this flipping book you guys i'm telling you if you're not tabbed out like i am i'll post i've made i've posted a ton of stories but um you're missing out if you want to uh it's a, so for me, I only love, I'm like, I, if I'm not reading something behavior analytic, I'm like messing up. Like I don't allow myself to read like all the amazing books that I have. I'm just like, so it is definitely, um, it's a fun read, but it's also, um, behavior analytic in terms yeah. too. So it, you're I still tried learning. To the line. Uh-huh. I tried to tell the line. You did so, it good. You did it good. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. I mean, I know that it was, I know that it's, um, you know, I, I'm not very good at self-promotion, so I always have that issue. But uh, I do appreciate you kind of, all well, the Well, we, and- we are. We are. We <laughs> are. Everyone, go buy the book. If you don't buy the book, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go get the book. I'm waiting for mine in the mail. I mean, this book, it looks I, – I, I've seen inside sneak peeks of it. First of all, I really like the font. I like that it's like a typewriter. Yeah. That's cool. In fact, I – did a new product we're creating. It's not a book. Don't worry. I didn't do a self anxiety report or depression and <laughs> our lupus report. Um, I could, but um, no, yeah. but I also was like, I'm feeling inspired by that font. So like the new product we're coming out with has that font on it. Oh, cool. Um, but I, I think it's super cool that you're bringing people in like this. Everyone go get a copy of the book. It will be in the show notes. It will be on our Instagrams. We could post it on our Facebook groups too. Speaking of which, you know where to find us. You could find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast. 
Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast, online, behaviorbitches.com. Shane, thank you so, so, so much for coming. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all. You are You're amazing. the man. Rock You're star. You are fantastic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> As always, thanks for tuning in. Love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who help us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him. And he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm-hmm.